From epic tales of mystery and magic to accounts of battle and empire. From the verses of ancient poets to the masterpieces of our times. A light on literature brings to life China's literary heritage and a look at the world in a new light. In today's Light on Literature, we continue by presenting the book Two Years in the Forbidden City by Princess De Ling. Today, Man Ling narrates the last part of the twelfth chapter, titled "The Empress and Mrs. Conger." Mrs. Conger, the wife of the American minister to Peking, asks for a private audience and proposes that a portrait be painted of Her Majesty, which was perceived to be a faux pas at the time. Here we see Darlene making efforts to bring alternative perspectives to Her Majesty's attention, coloring her understanding of the rest of the world. Enjoy. Her Majesty asked Prince Ching whether he had showed them around the palace buildings or not. This was in the Summer Palace, and what they had thought about it. Did they say anything, and were they pleased or not? She said to Prince Ching, "You can go now and make the necessary preparations for the ladies' audience next day." That same evening, Her Majesty said to us, "You must all dress alike tomorrow and wear your prettiest clothes. These foreign ladies who are coming to the palace may never see us again, and if we don't show them what we have now, we will not have another opportunity." She ordered us all, including the young empress, to wear pale blue. Also, the secondary wife of the emperor. She said to me, "If the ladies ask who the secondary wife is, you can tell them. But if they don't ask, I don't want you to introduce her to them at all. I have to be very careful. These people at the palace here are not used to seeing so many people, and they might not have nice manners. And the foreigners will laugh at them." Then she said to us again, "I always give presents when ladies come to the court, but don't know whether I will give this time or not. For at the last audience, I did not give any anything at all." Addressing me, she said, "You can prepare some pieces of jade in case I need them. Put them in a nice box and have them all ready. Don't bring them to me until I ask for them." She said, "We have talked enough now, and you can all go to rest." We courtesied good night. I was only too glad to go to my own room. The next morning, everything went on very nicely, and there was no trouble at all. Her Majesty was well satisfied, for we had all taken great care in fixing ourselves up. She said to me, "You never put enough paint on your face. People might take you for a widow. You will have to paint your lips, as that is the custom. I don't need you yet, so go back." And put some more paint on. So I went back to my room and painted myself just like the rest of them. But I could not help laughing at seeing myself so changed. By the time I got to her room again, she said, "Now you look all right. If you think that powder is expensive, I will buy some for you." She said that with a laugh, for she always liked to tease me. By the time Her Majesty had finished her toilet, one of the ladies brought a number of gowns for her to select one from. 
She said she would wear pale blue that day. She looked over twenty or thirty guns, but found nothing which suited her. So she gave orders for some more to be brought in. Finally, she chose a blue gun embroidered with one hundred butterflies, and wore a purple sleeveless jacket which was also embroidered with butterflies. At the bottom of this gown were pearl tassels. She wore her largest pearls, one of which was almost as large as an egg, and was her favorite jewel. She only wore this on special occasions. She wore two jade butterflies on each side of her headdress. Her bracelets and rings were also all designed in butterflies. In fact, everything matched. Among her beautiful jewels, she always wore some kind of fresh flowers. White jessamine was her favorite flower. The young empress and the court ladies were not allowed to wear fresh flowers at all, unless given to them by Her Majesty as a special favor. We could wear pearls and jade, etc., but、uh, she said that the fresh flowers were for her. Her idea being that we were too young and might spoil fresh flowers if we wore them. After she was dressed, we went into the audience hall. She ordered her cards to be brought in as she wanted to play solitaire. She talked all the time she was playing and said that we must all be very nice and polite to the American ladies and show them everywhere. She said, "It doesn't matter now, for we have everything changed." She said, "I want to laugh myself. What is the use of changing everything? They will imagine we are always like this. By and by, if they question you about anything, just tell them that." It is not so, and that we change everything at each audience just to give them a bit of surprise. You must tell it some day, otherwise no one will know it at all, and the trouble would not be worth the while. It was a private audience for ladies, and Her Majesty did not use the big throne, but was sitting on her little throne at the left side of the audience hall, where she received her own ministers every morning. The emperor was standing. A eunuch came in, the same as the day before, and announced that the ladies had arrived at the palace gate, nine in all. Her Majesty sent some of the court ladies to meet them in the courtyard and bring them to the audience hall. Which they did. I was standing at the right side of Her Majesty's chair and could see them mounting the steps. Her Majesty whispered to me and asked, "Which one is Mrs. Evans?" As I had never seen the lady, I answered that I could not tell. But when they got nearer, I saw a lady walking with the American minister's wife, and concluded. That she must be Mrs. Evans, and told Her Majesty as they got nearer. Her Majesty said again, "That missionary lady with Mrs. Conger, I think she must like to see me. She comes every time. I will tell her I'm very glad to see her always, and see if she understands what I mean." Mrs. Conger shook hands with Her Majesty and presented Mrs. Evans and also the wives of the American officers. I was watching Her Majesty and saw that she was very nice and amiable, with such a pleasant smile, so different from her everyday manner. She told them she was delighted to see them. Her Majesty ordered the eunuchs to have chairs brought in for the ladies, and at the same time, other eunuchs brought in tea. Her Majesty asked Mrs. Evans whether she liked China, what she thought of Peking, how long she had been there. How long she was going to stay, and where she was staying. 
I was so accustomed to Her Majesty's questions that I knew exactly what she would ask. Mrs. Conger told her interpreter to tell Her Majesty that she had not seen her for such a long time and inquired about Her Majesty's health. Her Majesty said to me, You tell Mrs. Conger that I am in good health and that I am delighted to see her. It is a pity that I cannot hold an audience more frequently. Otherwise, I could see more of her. Ever wondered what sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn slash podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the Chinese people. She continued, The Imperial Princess, her adopted daughter, daughter of Prince Kun, will accompany them to lunch. This ended the audience. Lunch was served at the back of her own palace building, Yang Yunxuan, the place where the clouds gather to rest. This room was specially furnished as a banqueting room where refreshments could be served. All the court ladies went to the lunch except Her Majesty, the young empress, and the secondary wife. It had taken me two hours to fix the table for the lunching. Her Majesty ordered that a white foreign tablecloth should be used as it looked cleaner. The eunuch gardeners had decorated the table with fresh flowers, and Her Majesty gave instructions as to how the seats were to be placed. She said, Mrs. Evans is the guest of honor. Although Mrs. Conger is the wife of the American minister, she's more of a resident, so Mrs. Evans must have the principal seat. She also told me to arrange to seat everybody according to their respective ranks. The imperial princess and Princess Shun, Her Majesty's niece, sister of the young empress, were hostesses and were to sit opposite each other. We placed golden menu holders and little gold plates for almonds and watermelon seeds. The rest all silverware, including chopsticks. Her Majesty ordered that foreign knives and forks should be provided also. The food was served in Manchu style and was composed of 24 courses, besides sweetmeats, candies, and fruits. Her Majesty instructed us that only the best champagne was to be served. She said, I know the foreign ladies love to drink. I think I was the only one who was really happy to meet these ladies, more so than the rest of the court ladies, the reason being that Her Majesty lectured them too severely, telling them how to behave so that they had grown to hate the very mention of a foreign audience. While we were eating, a eunuch came in and told me that Her Majesty was waiting at her private palace and that I should bring these ladies there after the lunch was over. So when we had finished, we entered her own palace and found her waiting there for us. She got up and told me to ask Mrs. Evans whether she had had anything to eat, that the food was not very good. This is a custom with the Chinese when entertaining, always to underrate the food. 
She said that she would like to show Mrs. Evans her private apartments so that she could form some idea of the way we lived. So she took Mrs. Evans to one of her bedrooms. She invited Mrs. Evans and Mrs. Conger to sit down, and the eunuchs brought in tea as usual. Her Majesty asked Mrs. Evans to stay a little while in Peking and to visit the different temples. She said, Our country, although very old, has not such fine buildings as there are in America. I suppose you will find everything very strange. I'm rather too old now. Otherwise, I would like to travel around the world. I have read much about different countries, but of course, there's nothing like visiting the different places and seeing them yourself. However, one cannot tell. I may be able to go after all, by and by. But I'm afraid to leave my own country. By the time I returned, I should not know the place anymore. I'm afraid. Here, everything seems to depend on me. Our emperor is quite young. She then turned and ordered us to take these ladies to visit the different buildings of the palace, also the famous temple of the King of Dragons. This is on a little island in the center of the Lake of the Summer Palace. Mrs. Conger said that she had something to ask Her Majesty and told the missionary lady to proceed. While Mrs. Conger was speaking to this lady, Her Majesty became rather impatient as she wanted to know what they were talking about. So she asked me. It was very hard for me to listen to both of the ladies and to Her Majesty at the same time. The only words I heard were the portrait. So I guessed the rest. Before I had a chance to tell Her Majesty, this missionary lady said, Mrs. Conger has come with the special object of asking permission to have Her Majesty's portrait painted by an American lady artist, Miss Carroll, as she is desirous of sending it to the St. Louis Exhibition in order that the American people may form some idea of what a beautiful lady the Empress Dowager of China is. Miss Carl is the sister of Mr. F. Carl, who was for so many years Commissioner of Customs in Shefu. Her Majesty looked surprised, for she had been listening very carefully whilst this lady was talking. She did not like to say that she did not quite understand, so she turned to me, as had been previously arranged, a sign for me to interpret. I did not, however, do so immediately. So Mrs. Conger told her missionary friend to repeat the request in case Her Majesty had not quite understood it. Her Majesty then said to me, I cannot quite understand what this lady says. I think perhaps you can tell me better. So I explained everything. But I knew that Her Majesty did not know what a portrait was like, as up to that time she had never even had a photograph taken of herself. I must here explain that in China a portrait is only painted after death, in memoriam of the deceased, in order that the following generations may worship the deceased. I noticed that Her Majesty was somewhat shocked. When the request was made known to her, I did not want Her Majesty to appear ignorant before these foreign ladies, so I poured her sleeve and told her that I would explain everything to her later. She replied, Explain a little to me now. This was spoken in the court language, which the visitors were unable to understand. 
it being somewhat different from the ordinary Chinese language. This enabled Her Majesty to form some idea of the conversation, so she thanked Mr. Conger for her kind thought and promised to give her answer later. She said to me, Tell Mrs. Conger that I cannot decide anything alone, as she is probably aware that I have to consult with my ministers before deciding anything of an important character. Tell her that I have to be very careful not to do anything which would give my people an opportunity to criticize my actions. I have to adhere to the rules and customs of my ancestors. I noticed that Her Majesty did not seem inclined to discuss the subject further at the moment. Just then, the head eunuch came in and, kneeling down, informed Her Majesty that the boats for the ladies were ready to take them across the lake to see the temple. This action on the part of the eunuch was owing to his having received the signal from one of the court ladies, which implied that Her Majesty was getting tired of the conversation and wished to change the subject. I must explain that on every occasion, when a foreign audience was taking place, one of the court ladies was always told off to watch Her Majesty, and whenever she appeared to be displeased or tired of any particular subject under discussion, she, the court lady, would give the signal to the head eunuch, who would break in upon the conversation in the above manner, and thus save the situation from becoming embarrassing. So Her Majesty said goodbye to the ladies, as she thought it would be too late for them to have to return to say goodbye, besides which it would give them more time to see the various sights. The ladies then proceeded to the island in the Empress Dowager's pleasure boat, known as the Imperial Barge, previously described, and visited the temple. This temple is built on top of a small rock, in the center of which is a natural cave, and it was generally supposed that no human being had ever been inside of this cave. The Empress Dowager believed the popular superstition that this hole was the home of the King of Dragons, from which the temple derives its name. And that was from the 12th chapter of Two Years in the Forbidden City, written by Princess Sterling and narrated by Man Lin. Join us next time on A Light on Literature for the 13th chapter, titled The Empress Portrait.
what sets China apart from the rest of the world? Do you want to know how China really works? How is China of the past different from the present? Get all the answers to your questions by visiting China Plus Audiobooks. Access a whole new world of audiobooks on our website at chinaplus.cri.cn slash podcast. Explore the philosophy, spirit, and story of the Chinese people.